Hello and welcome to Eyes on Research, the podcast that digests the latest scientific innovations in eye research using simple and understandable terms. I am your host, Thales Guimarães, medical doctor and clinician scientist at Northfield's Eye Hospital. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of this podcast. I hope you're having a good November and that you've stepped your foot into this month with the right one, <laughs> with the right foot. And we are almost there. December is next doors. So, you know, almost 2023 is over. And I hope you have a blessed end of the year, you and your family. But coming from last week's episode, right, we discussed smart contact lenses, which, you know, by the way, If you're into that kind of technology, which comes straight out of a sci-fi movie, you should definitely check it out. It's very interesting, and I think that's the way things are going to go moving forward, particularly with the advent of artificial intelligence, right? But this week, we're going to stay in the same kind of biotech environment, right? We'll be discussing about neuroprosthetics and its role in helping individuals who are blind by a variety of causes. The truth is, very few disabilities affect human life more than the vision loss. Close your eyes and imagine how hard it would be to complete your regular activities without any sort of vision. Millions, of, millions and millions of people go through this problem worldwide. In fact, that number is around 40 to 50 million individuals in the planet. There's a lot of people, right? Of course... There are some new drugs coming for a variety of different diseases in the eye. And as I typically say, we live in the era of genetics, in the era of new therapies, in the era of gene therapy. Soon we'll get to the stem cell era as well. So, you know, um, everything seems to be very promising. Now, we expect these therapies to be effective up until a certain point in the course of the disease right? With patients with the most severe forms of damage to the retina being unlikely to respond to treatments. That's when these neuroprosthesis come into play. Now, visual prosthesis are implantable medical devices that are able to provide some degree of vision to individuals who are blind. Imagine restoring vision to the blind by creating an artificial sense of sight. So how does that work? Let's break it down step by step. It all begins with our understanding of the visual field and the connection between electrical stimulation and visual sensation. So all visual processes, they aim to create an artificial sense of vision by electrically activating neurons right? Or neurocells, however you'd like to call it, in the visual system. Now, to remind you of how vision works, think that vision is a multi-step pathway and that an interruption in this flow of signals being sent along these pathways will eventually end up in the vision not being processed by the brain, right? Now, the way that we see is that photons of light hit the outer sections of the retina, which generates a cascade of events 
that send this information to the inner sections of the retina, which is then sent via electrical impulses to the brain via the optic nerve. That means that the function of a visual prosthesis is to excite these neurons at some point after the damage site. Does that make sense? The only requirement is that the device that generates the electrical stimulation needs to make functional contact with neural elements that are still working properly, right? There are various research groups developing implants to interact with specific regions of this pathway, such as the retina, the optic nerve, the visual cortex, and the lateral geniculate nucleus of the thalamus, all which are uh, essentially essential parts of this pathway to vision. Regardless of which section of the visual pathway it is stimulating, most visual processes share similar components. Cameras capture the word in front of the blind person. A microelectronic device processes this information, which is then transformed into patterns of electrical stimulation. So you see, it's very similar to what we have just discussed of the visual process, right? The pathway that we see things. The pathway in that the photons of light gets transferred to the brain via electrical impulses, right? It is essentially a way to bypass a defect, right? Hence, we have a system situated outside the body, housing the processing unit, the transmitter, and the power supply, and another one that contains electrodes that can be implanted in the retina, in the optic nerve, or other parts of the visual pathway. So, how are we in terms of, you know, approvals? We had some clinical trials in the past, well, many actually, uh, but a few of them were approved. The first one that was approved uh, was approved in 2013, if I recall correctly, in the United States, uh, was the Argus II retinal prosthesis system, which was approved in Europe and in the USA for the treatment of patients with retinitis pigmentosa. I don't remember if it was 2011 or 2013, but feel free to check it out. And you know, retinitis pigmentosa, if you're new to this podcast, is one of the major causes of inherited retinal disease and blindness in working age adults. Essentially, it causes a constriction. It's a type of rod cone dystrophy that causes a constriction in the visual field, right? So Argus 2 is being used for that. Afterwards, three other systems received regulatory approval. The first one being the Alpha IMS AMS from the company Retina Implant AG. And the second one and the third one from the same company, Pixion Vision Incorporated, the Iris 2 and the Primer. That's the name of those two implants. A major fact that you know it's very promising to us, and it's one of the one of the major things that uh, hamper our ability to get these things into later phase studies is that we need to make sure it's safe, right? And a, a very major point of this is that it has been observed in all of the clinical trials testing these devices that it's safe. So that's good news, right? Efficacy was also shown with subjects being able to perceive light when the devices are activated. But there are limitations, for instance, at present, these visual neuroprosthesis only allow for the perception of spots of light, right, or edges which are highly contrasted, okay? So they do not offer 
uh, high enough resolution or acuity, as we call, for a patient to regain a fully functional sense of vision. For example, let's talk about those clinical trials again, right? The best visual acuity obtained in the Argus 2 clinical trial was less than 20 a thousand, and in the Alpha IMS was less than 2,500. That means that you should be seeing at a thousand feet what you're seeing at 20, and for the Alpha IMS clinical trials, you should be seeing at more than 500 feet what we're seeing at 20, which, you know, if you think about it, is far from the visual equity that is required to recognize shapes, letters, and objects. So the question that remains here is, can these devices create meaningful perceptions of vision that can actually be translated into functional gains, right? So what we call functional vision right? It's vision that provides the patients with independence, right? And we're talking about essentially localization, recognition, grasping of objects, and navigation in different types of environments. So essentially survival vision, right? It's vision to do your activity, your basic activities of daily living. That's the kind of vision that, you know, uh, we want to give back to the patients. And you know, that's where the forefront of research in this field currently stands. Another aspect that's important to consider is the long-term viability in terms of compatibility with the body, right? In terms of biocompatibility. Now, electrodes are known to suffer electrolytic corrosion, and this leads to tissue scarring. Remember that neurons have a very limited ability to regenerate. So this damage would likely be irreversible and it's a major issue. So even though these are biocompatible and they have been shown to be safe in the major clinical trials, they eventually may indeed generate a biological response, which in some cases may, may cause irreversible damage. Other alternatives that are being explored are optogenetic tools. This is a technology that's being tested already in human, human clinical trials, optogenetics being a biological technique to control the activities of neurons or other types of cells with light, which is achieved by the expression of light-sensitive ion channels, pumps, and enzymes in the target cells. It is a very, very elegant approach of controlling and monitoring biological functions of a specific tissue. Disease quite a complicated technology, so you know it deserves an episode on, of its own. So my friends, to keep this short, in summary, the possibility of restoring vision is closer than it ever was. Retinal implants show promise and we are on the brink, on the verge of significant progress as surgery technology and you know rehabilitation techniques advance let alone the fact that nanotechnology is right around the corner, so things will get smaller um, and the possibilities will be limitless, particularly when we're talking about implanting these things below the retina, right? Stay with us to stay up to date on this cutting-edge research in the journey to restore sight to the blind. If you like this episode, please do share this with your friends, colleagues and families and help spread the word. 
Don't forget to follow us in our social media accounts with the handle at ISOResearch. We post super cool videos weekly covering interesting facts of vision. If you want to hear about the latest advances in ocular science digested in simple terms, keep posted for more episodes every Wednesdays. I hope to see you next week and bye-bye for now.